Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. Too many plates spinning, keeping track of everything, but it's okay. We're good. We're good. Yeah, we were supposed to have Dakota on for this episode, and... uh we messed up the recording days, so unfortunately, we're not going to have her this week, which is a bummer, but she will be on our next episode, I think. I don't know yes. if we've worked out the days exactly, so. Yeah, basically, the episode, we, we talked, like, oh, yeah, it'll come out Friday, and she thought I meant we were recording Friday, mm-hmm. and I meant we were releasing Friday, so unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, we're not going to have uh, it in time for this week's episode, but we'll get it recorded, and then it'll be all ready to go for next week, so. Nice. In the meantime, for you guys for this week, because uh, I also figured it's been like nine, ten months since the last time we had her on the cast, Pat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have a bunch of new listeners who have never actually heard Dakota before. Um, I've been getting a ton of people messaging me over the last uh, couple of weeks, ever since the LAL open, saying that they're, you know, new listeners of the cast uh, mm-hmm. and that they're they really like it. So figured uh, give those guys a chance to hear the uh, some of the previous episodes with Dakota. So we're going to post up uh, a rerun of Dakota's uh, last episode with us so that people nice. can uh, check it out and get to kind of know her and get all prepared for next week when we record the new reprint art episode and yeah that'll be fun we got some sweet art pad i'm excited for these conversations i picked out some really good ones um <laughs> some really ridiculous ones and yep. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm excited to see what uh what dakota has to say about this uh the sweet reprint art sweet can't wait that'll be awesome uh so we're gonna dive right into that uh rerun episode uh before just a quick announcement the New Leaving a Legacy merch store is live. It's yes. going to be up on the Facebook page. Uh, I'm sure I'll like log into Twitter for the first time in like 12, 12 months in order to <laughs> send it out on there as well um, and get it out. So if you were looking for T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, blankets, towels, we got ta- Leaving a Legacy towels, Pat. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so the merch store is live. You can uh, get all your Leaving a Legacy memorabilia. And when is that going to be? Is that Will that be live for this week? It'll be live for this week when this episode nice. comes out. And awesome. Uh, we have new art that's going to go up on a lot of the merch. Uh, we had uh, David Munzer design some sweet new art for the podcast. So yes, yes. Don't worry. We'll uh, have- I believe he entitled it The Duality of Man. Right. <laughs> the duality of man. Yep. It's nice. Uh, nice sketch of uh, basically. Ah, you don't. Why are you wasting it? No, they got to go to the thing to see it. <laughs> Jer- right. Justin, bleep, beep that out. People bleep can't that know. Out. Beep that bleep. out. They have to go to the site to see it. Keep, all right. So super secret, Justin, super secret. <laughs> uh, keep it secret. So when people log on, they can see the new art. And if you're a fan of the classic art, don't worry. We will have that up on the merch store as well. So whether you are an old friend or a new friend, you'll have something very cool that you'll like. I cannot wait. Hell yeah. Uh, with that, though, let's kind of launch into uh, Dakota's art review episode, and we'll have her back on next week uh, for the full thing. Awesome. Sounds good. Bye. Magic is power.
welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Not much, Pat. Happy holidays. And Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you, Jerry, man. It's How, how we doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. It's uh, Hanukkah started. Actually, Hanukkah will probably be wrapping up by the time this episode comes out. Yes. I drive by a nine-foot menorah on my way home, and I think... Four of the lights are on right now, so we have a limited number of days left in Hanukkah. Excellent. And then Christmas is around the corner, and Kwanzaa, and the most important of all, Festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) Yes. My my favorite part of that is the feats of strength. Yes. That's what I I celebrate for. Exactly. I mean, it's it's really (laughs) the the linchpin of the whole holiday. (laughs) Well, we wanted to do a fun little episode uh, this week, probably our most requested episode we've had all year, Pat. Art episode part dua. Yes. That's that's fancy for two. And and not the solo art episode where I just got drunk and reviewed art by myself <laughs> for an hour, <laughs> which was really fun and people enjoy that. But we have we actually have someone who's got some some real uh some real knowledge when it comes to the art world with us some today. artistic chops so indeed without further ado welcome back to the podcast miss dakota how are you doing i'm great thank you very much for having me it's truly a pleasure to be here awesome <laughs> for it's like to have you back excellent for our uh our fans who might have missed the first episode though i Really encourage you guys to go back and check that one out because it was an awesome episode. Uh, Ink Wells and uh, Whiskey Wells, it was called. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you kind of just kind of remind our fans who you are, uh, what you kind of do for a day job? Sure. So um, I work uh, at an arts nonprofit called Public Art Fund, and we stage really large scale um, works of art by some of the better known international artists in New York City and beyond. Before that, I was a research fellow in the contemporary uh, department at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. Before that, I was at the Harvard Art Museums doing something similar. And before that, I was getting my master's and I specialized in German modernist art. So I've had a long run in the art world, but this is definitely outside my wheelhouse. So, <laughs> Yes, going from uh, Monet to magic cards. That's right. <laughs> uh, so we'll see if we can, uh, you know, compete with some of the, uh, the hoity-toity high-end uh, art <laughs> of the world with, I think, some of the cheesiest art we got this, uh, this episode. We're focusing on holiday-themed magic cards card art Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) well this is perfect for me because i love the holidays i love cheese and cheesiness (laughs) (laughs) and i love looking at art but i do i said this last time i'm gonna say it again normally when i'm entering into a conversation about art i do a ton of background research yep but we we wouldn't let you do that Right. No, going in cold. (laughs) So I have not looked at these images and, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for your listeners who are big fans of the art, but I want them to know it's not that I don't, you know, enjoy this art. It's just that I was not allowed to look them up ahead of time. Excellent. Excellent. Well, without further ado, total, total, you know, total uh, transparency. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can blame it all on me and Pat. Yes. yes. I will. 
<laughs> should we should we dive into the art? Yeah, let's go, Jerry. Uh, you have you Jerry put together a, a Google Doc here with eleven different pieces of art, and like last time, I believe we each took a drink after uh, after each piece of art that we reviewed. And uh, oh, good call, Pat. I need to go fill my glass. Thank you for yeah, you reminding do, me. Yeah, do that now, please. Do that now. Do we have a uh, for our yeah, listeners at home? This is your little break to uh, you know get some apple juice to play along. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> So are things are now? Are you in work right now? Are you going into the office, so to speak, Dakota? Are you working from home? What are you once doing? in a while? I'm going on site. I, my job is so strange in a way where um, we construct works of art. So I have to like wear steel toe boots and a hard hat and a reflective mm-hmm. vest and goggles when I'm on site. And then when I go into the office, I'm just typing at a computer and researching mostly. So I would not I would not imagine artwork to be so industrial like that. That's interesting. It's not always. Um, <laughs> we were considered essential during the pandemic, which was a shock to me. But it really, was, yeah, it was just because our projects were at large infrastructure um, okay. sites. So yeah, yep, that's cool. Yeah, what about you? I'm I'm honestly like uh for us like the pandemic. I mean I'm an electrician, so I've just been working nonstop like I actually had like a stretch of like six weeks where I was doing like 70 hour weeks back in the fall and uh no it's been it's been great kids are kids are uh they're learning from home now for the next few weeks just uh, I think the school there was a couple cases this past week so they're like well because of Christmas and New Year's people getting together we're gonna have all the kids do remote learning but my kids have been in school like in-person learning since the fall so um, they, you know, they're gonna be at home for the next few weeks, but then it's back to school. So no, things have been good. I mean, all things considered, you know, I don't have any complaints. No Sounds complaints. Good. Yeah. I bet they're excited about the holidays too, right? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, they're they're Luke just turned six, and Liam's gonna be nine in in uh in January. So they're at such a good age for for that, where they're like aware of the holiday, and they're they're very much into believing in Santa, which is really fantastic, and. uh and you know we 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 got our pictures with Santa this year at Bass Pro, which we do every, we do it every year since Liam's been you know for his first Christmas till now, we've done it every year. Uh, so it was a little different this year, the setup obviously, but um, and we still did like cut our own tree and stuff. So all of our all of our in our like we do um, my brothers and I we, we all live like fairly close to each other. We all have kids, so we do like a usually we do like a Christmas breakfast with all the kids every year. This year we did a, a like a pancake breakfast, but on Zoom with all the kids and stuff. So. Trying to keep all the traditions alive, and it's been good. No, I, I honestly like, like I said, all things considered, it's been it's been a wonderful holiday so far. So I'm I'm enjoying it. All right, I'm back with my uh, Nick Cage level glass of whiskey, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Nick, bees, uh, not the bees. Uh, Nick Cage is actually a unit of measurement for whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch any Nick, Nick Cage movies, he always fills it to the brim. <laughs> all right. So diving in for our first selection, I figured we got to start off with uh, the hot new one. Uh, for those who don't know, Wizards of the Coast every year releases a holiday magic card. Uh, it's not tournament legal or anything like that, but it's just kind of a fun thing they do. I believe they give it to all of their employees every year. That's how they release them. So there's very, very, very limited. Uh, but there are a fair amount out there that you, people can get their hands on them. Um, and this year's rendition is called Top Deck the Halls by Kieran Yanner. So what do you think about this one, Dakota? Um, 
It's heavy on the cheese factor. That is for <laughs> sure. Um, well, there's not a whole lot that distinguishes this from what I would expect to see on a Hallmark card mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or for that matter on like a movie poster for a Hallmark movie. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the artist is skilled. They, uh, they've they got nice reflecting lights in the surface of the bulbs and they've done a really good job with the, uh, the depth of the tree. Um, It's a very balanced composition where you have actually quite a lot going on, but there's enough for you to focus on in the foreground versus the background. So your eye is moving around in a way that's sort of um, fun. Uh, I would say it's pleasant to look at, but it doesn't get much beyond kitsch for me. Hmm. There's no emotion. It's very... Yeah, like you said, there's definitely technical skill here, but it's like there's no, it doesn't move you the way art should. Yeah, the only thing that maybe, um, maybe is something that could be like a little bit of a psychological catch for some viewers. There's this, the little gingerbread in the forefront. Yep. Is it alive? So I, I I have some interesting background that I think will color your your. Uh, uh, is this Eldraine? Are you going to bring the throne of Eldraine into this? That no, <laughs> it's not the throne of Eldraine. But uh, so the whole thing with these holiday cards is they love their puns. They're very punny over oh. at Wizards. So top deck the halls is a pun on deck the halls, which is where you get the Christmas themes. And then top deck is a phrase in Magic where it's, oh. like, it's like getting very lucky. So that's where that pun comes in. But then also on a deeper level, this entire art piece is actually a reference and a pun on a different magic card. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if we scroll yes. down in the file, Dakota, the oh, next art piece I wanted I to talk about is an actual magic card that was printed about 15, 20 years ago called Dream Halls. Oh, so that is funny. It's a triple pun of Top Deck the Halls. I see. <laughs> as a reference to Top Deck and Deck the Halls in, Magic, in uh, Christmas and Dream Halls by Matthew Wilson. And if you do a side-by-side comparison, it's actually the composition is exactly the same between the yeah, two. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yes, it is. Oh, yeah. Huh. So, and that's a little that's a little gingerbread Volrath, Jerry, right? <laughs> yes, it's a little gingerbread <laughs> Volrath, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Because there was a set that came out a, a, a year or two ago called Throne of Eldraine that was set like in a fantasy like fairy world, basically. And like part of the ad campaign for it was like this gingerbread man running away from a chef. Yes. And I thought that was a reference to that, but I, I totally missed the Dream Halls reference on that. That's great. Yep. So Dream Halls with the reference. So yeah, so like Kieran Yonner, great artist, tons of technical skill, not much depth in their art because it's almost like it's a parody. Actually, it, it's not almost. It is a parody totally. of this other piece of art. <laughs> so let's let's take a look at Dream Halls now. And I, I really want to get your uh, you know perspective on Dream Halls as, as a piece of art. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's creepy. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna have nightmares tonight. Thanks very much. 
yeah, it's, uh, like, it's like this prison it almost like okay but like, now jerry now i can't unsee top deck the halls i've like <laughs> <laughs> it's a christmas it's a christmas gulag you I'm like, the i know <laughs> i'm expecting this robot to start like tap dancing and pour frosting on himself <laughs> the nutcracker <laughs> yeah exactly um well you know I, I would say the same things that I said actually about the first one, which is that, you know, it draws your eye back into space. I like that the background kind of um, fades away so that you have this feeling that it kind of continues forever. And as the viewer, you have these things in the foreground. So you feel like you're peering into the scene, which is kind of um, a cool effect. And even in the foreground, you have these faces that are um, not quite human, but have these arched eyebrows that look really menacing. Mm. Um, and then obviously these balls are like... Barbed wire. <laughs> right. They're, they're sort of enclosing people. You can't tell if they're prisons or some kind of cage. Mm. Um. Yeah, I I guess if I were trying to read some kind of narrative from this, I would say that this figure standing on the um I don't know, like the, like the horizontal right, the catwalk that there's some sort of patroller and that these other figures are imprisoned. Hmm. Um but I don't know why it would have the title Dream Halls. I don't know whose dream this is. <laughs> <laughs> I feel there's some like lore. I'm not 100% on the lore behind the card because also the effect of the card is like completely unrelated to this art. Like the card itself lets you play other cards for free. Hmm. So, which it's not like there's no like prison effect or anything like that. It, it seems like the art and the card effect seem very disconnected to me. Okay. Mm. Interesting. Also, it's a blue card, but this is a very like black feeling card. Yeah, like yeah. definitely very so evil. It definitely, and... like this is a card that came out in temp in Stronghold. Sorry, so that's nine, you know, mid to late nineties, basically. Yeah, right, Jerry. So yeah. uh, I know in early in Magic's history, like there are multiple cards where like they would have artwork. And the card would change, you know, late in design, but after the art had already been commissioned, so the card could change effects or colors, and sometimes the artwork just had to get stuck on that card. So it wouldn't surprise me if, and this was also like back when the artists had a little <laughs> bit more, had a little bit more um, uh, free range, do what they wanted with the artwork. So who yeah. knows if it's like a rogue artist or you know something got reassigned at the last minute or what the case mm. is. That uh, that reminds me of the story. One of my favorite magic art stories is the uh, it's uh, like something lemur. Oh yes. Um, oh geez. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> but it's uh, I forgot the name of the card. But it basically a lemur is a uh, like a spirit, like a vengeful spirit. But they just gave the name of the card to the artist. And the artist didn't know that. And so the artist drew this actual, like, lemur. Hyalopterus <laughs> yeah, uh, lemur. Le yeah. It's actually called lemur. So it's lemur, L-E-M-U-R-E, which is like a spirit. But they just drew a lemur. Like the like, animal. And then it was it was too late. So like, well, we got to run with it. So they printed it. <laughs> it's like this, like, evil spirit garden. It's just like this cute, fuzzy lemur as the art. <laughs> yeah, this is it right here. 
<laughs> you can see it in chat actually. Uh, and then there's another. It, it, there's another. Uh, there's only one other Lemur card, but it's obvious. It looks like all zombies, like these zombie spirits. It's actually pretty funny. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes you're right, Pat. That uh, you know, Aww, artists, artists it is cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just poking oh his head God. out yeah it's pretty great <laughs> and it's supposed to be like some zombie horde yes yeah exactly yeah a lemur and a lemur are very different concepts <laughs> so yeah sometimes artists make the art and then wizards just has to run with it because it's too late into design <laughs> yeah uh well i'm taking a drink and move it on yeah. all right oh, i've already taken a few so Oh, okay. <laughs> this is mostly vodka. <laughs> it's glass. It's vodka with a splash of Diet Sprite. Excellent. <laughs> it's refreshing. So up next is another holiday card. I chose this one because it's my favorite uh, holiday magic card. Ooh. It's Stalking Tiger. Which is I a, like this. An obvious pun of Stalking Tiger, like a tiger on the stock, but it's a actual stocking a christmas stocking it's like a sock puppet tiger made mm-hmm. out of a christmas stocking <laughs> jerry you actually should have invited alexa on for this um oh, yeah? this episode she loves a good pun <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be to an obnoxious degree <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to have Alexa on next for the next one. <laughs> Bring all the puns. Yeah, this is fun though. Um, what are what do you love about it aside from uh, the fun? So uh, yeah, I mean, I really like the uh, design of it. Just it it tells a story in itself, where you have these like animated sock puppets that are alive so there's a uh, a tiger sock puppet and then it's hunting and has captured a d de- a reindeer sock puppet the, <laughs> and the reindeer's tongue is also a sock did you notice that yes <laughs> the reindeer's <laughs> the reindeer's tongue is a smaller sock oh my <laughs> gosh you're right <laughs> And they're like that. knocking great. over the plate of cookies and milk that are laid out for Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I like this a lot. The other thing, um, the tiger looks to me a lot like the dragons they bring out at parades for Chinese New Year's Day. Yeah, kinda... it's very elongated, very stylized. Yeah, yeah, with the beard too. Yep. Um, yeah. This is really fun. I like it. I think that you're right that the uh, I love the action of it. Mm-hmm. And this claw that's um, like actually quite a sweet little paw in a way too. And I like that you can see the details of them being homemade. You know, the stitches along the seams. Yep. <clears throat> uh, the buttons for eyes. Mm-hmm. And the fire glowing in the background and they're sort of arching along the same arch as the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I think it's an awesome, awesome piece. Uh, this was from a few years ago, and I believe this is actually one that was pretty widely available. I think I remember this being actually available in stores for people to buy, which was cool. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Oh, actually, it has the year right here. 2013 is when this was released. Wow. Okay. I can't believe it was seven years ago Stalking Tiger came out. <laughs> uh, anything else on this piece before we move on? Oh, I just I I think that it really tells a fun story and I could see this being like a great opener to a children's book or something. It's super mm-hmm. evocative and it paints this whole like 
mythical idea for inanimate objects that I think is really fun. And that's, that's such a trend in Christmas lore anyway, you know, like, yeah, I really like it. Yeah. It's, it's very toy story. Our next one is one of my favorite arts. And this is actually a legal card. This was print. Actually, no, it isn't a legal card. I take that back. <laughs> yeah, this is from uh, Unglued or Unhinged. Yep. Yeah, from Unglued, the OG. Yep. Uh, it's called Infernal Spawn of Evil. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that. <laughs> that is the name of this piece. So the whole the whole <laughs> the the set this card came from was a whole set that was very whimsical and basically tongue, like an entire joke cheek. set. Yeah. Very tongue in cheek, yeah. The whole set was like that. So, yeah, I think everyone was... in Magic must just have a really good sense of humor. That's the uh, uh, you I think it. so, but <laughs> <laughs> I would say for the most part, uh, yeah, I think so. I think Pat- I think a lot of certainly a lot of our uh, the people who make the game have a great sense of humor. Yeah, I, w- I would say the company does have a really really good sense of humor. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Infernal Spawn of Evil is this cute little mouse sipping hot cocoa. Wearing a scarf on what looks like a uh, an ice rink. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, well, it's it's cute and chubby, but sort of in a strange way too. <laughs> what do you mean a strange way? <laughs> it's bulbous. <laughs> it is very bulbous. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, look how many marshmallows he puts in his hot chocolate. <laughs> but also, what's underneath the marshmallows? I think it's hot chocolate, isn't it? Well, but like, uh, is it splashing? Yeah. Maybe he's he's drinking the infernal. Maybe the infernal spawn of evil is actually what's in the cocoa mug. Yeah, maybe. His his fingers and toes are a little aggressive looking. (laughs) I mean, yes, Yes. spawn spawn of evil. evil. Right. (laughs) It almost looks like he's wearing stocking tiger around his neck as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. (laughs) good call um it's it's pretty charming i like it i think it's hilarious to call it infernal spawn of evil (laughs) (laughs) uh it also feels uh very much like it could be in a children's storybook just like stalking tiger could yeah totally there's there's definitely though this creepy element to it, which I think you also see in children's books but there there I think that the artists in magic kind of like being on that boundary between um cutesy and terrifying yeah very uh brothers grim fairy tales where it's like these books are for kids they're also full of murder <laughs> <laughs> like don't trust anything exactly the art style in this and also Stalking Tiger is, I don't really know what the technical term is, but it almost feels like both of these are very like fuzzy and dreamlike. Well, I th- I was thinking about that particularly with the <laughs> Infernal Spawn of Evil. <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous <laughs> saying that title, but this looks to me like it's more of a maybe um, colored pencil drawing. Mm. Um, at least, you know, I'm seeing sort of a smaller version of it, but it has a sort of like muted color palette and mm-hmm. it's very, um, oh, what what's the word? It's sort of like blended a little bit. So it could be maybe um, pastel even. Mm-hmm. And I would guess that that's also the case for Stalking Tiger. Um, 
it just looks like they went with a bit of a brighter palette. But similarly, I mean, if you kind of zoom in on, you know, like the, the cookies, even you can see the chips look like they're buried under a layer of dough, but that's basically blending of colors on top or looking at that blue cloth. Um, it's a little bit more abstract, but that's because of the way that they put the pigment down, whatever technique they were using. So that's, that's very interesting as a way to make art in both a practical sense where it's like, Oh, this chocolate chip is actually buried under the dough. So I'm going to draw a chocolate chip and then I'm going to draw dough over the chocolate chip. Now that I'm saying it though, it might be painted or it might be mixed media. But either way, I, this artist was definitely using layers of color to create this this effect where it's a little bit blurred around the edges. Hmm. Nice. I also like the uh, the trees in the background. That actually just reminded me, uh, this is kind of a tangent, Dakota, but how do you feel about Bob Ross? Well. <laughs> that was a pregnant pause if I've ever heard one. <laughs> You know, I, I I think I'm going soft in my old age or something. <laughs> I just like I have a lot more tolerance for a lot of different types of art. If you asked me that even a year ago, I probably would have given you a whole spiel. <laughs> I, like told you to get Bob lost. Ross. <laughs> Bob Ross just wants to bring some happiness into the he world. He does. That's the thing. And he just wants to democratize art. That's all. Jerry, you've really caught me in the holiday spirit, so I'm not going to say anything bad about anyone. Um, what What would you say if I told you, Dakota, that uh, Wizards of the Coast actually just licensed the Bob Ross estate and they're releasing a bunch of Bob Ross art? No. As magic cards. I don't believe that. It's 100% true. Okay, well, that is a match made in heaven. <laughs> oh, my God. Bob Ross is going to be an official Magic the Gathering. That's hilarious. I feel like there was a documentary or something about how they would not license their images to anyone for the longest time. Mm-hmm. But they would for Magic the Gathering, so they're going to release it funny so like all the like background art so it's it's lands is what they're called in the game but it's basically like nerds there's this weird spot in nerd culture where they're super into bob ross like there was like a bob ross marathon on twitch like uh a year or two ago where they just aired every episode of the joy of painting back to back they just marathoned them on twitch it's because i think it was like one of the few uh like properties that wasn't copyrighted or, or whatever so twitch could actually air it mm-hmm. so they set up a 24-hour bob ross stream on twitch and that just blew up in the nerd community where now like bob ross is set in like the same breath as like mr rogers yeah for a lot of the nerd community yeah. i mean i have a bob ross t-shirt and I go out, and the t- and the people who stop me and ask me about my Bob Ross T-shirt are like twenty-year-old nerds and little old ladies. I was gonna say old ladies. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely the second one. That's awesome. It is interesting though when you look at his art and you compare it with some of I'm not gonna remember anyone's name, but some of the ones that we looked at the last time, Jerry mm-hmm. and Pat. Yeah, like John Avon, and yep. Yeah, they, I think that a lot of the same artistic principles are in play that Bob Ross was like kind of made famous, where mm-hmm. it's high contrast, you have um, like really distinct shapes that are kind of governing the whole composition, like strong diagonals and things in the 
foreground that are really like the focal point, but your eye is drawn back to the background. And it, they're kind of like crisp in a similar way. Like with a magic card, because it's so small, you're not trying to like load in as many details as you can. You're really trying to have right. like a kind of concise group of different focal points that create a story together. And I feel like his works really do that in a, a very similar way. And even yeah. just the color palette, you've got those like kind of screaming colors um, that are, you know, make, make the landscape look like almost enchanted. Mm. Yeah, for mm. sure. Definitely. I think it's a, a match made in heaven. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. You should show me some of those cards if you ever get them. Yeah, no, I think I don't know if they're out yet, but uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll send you some cards, Dakota, so yeah, you can have awesome. uh, a little a little memento. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so up next, we can't leave Hanukkah out, Pat. Right. The the one and only Hanukkah card in Magic. Uh, it's not really even Hanukkah, but it's the closest we can get. <laughs> Candelabra of Thanos by Douglas Schuler. Well, it's sort of a sad card, isn't it? <laughs> you know, usually I only look at Candelabra in the context of a card. I haven't really ever just looked at the art of Candelabra. And you're right. There's not a whole lot going on in this piece. No. It's very, like, off kilter. Like, it feels very unbalanced. It, yeah, it. So I found that, like, it's, it's weird. On some of these cards, like, the perspective of... Like, if you look at a card like Moat, the perspective of the art is all messed up. Like, just, like, by the way that things work in real life, I feel like this this candelabra couldn't exist in the way that it's pictured here. Where, like, all the candles are on the same plane, but the the ar- the brass arm that's holding them all up is on this weird angle. Like, it, it juxtaposed to, like, the base. This and, is like, like... If, you look at the, if you look at a card like Moat, none of the walls line up to where the roof is. It's like, it, it seems like some of this artwork, the artist had a very difficult time with perspective. You know, like, not to knock the actual technique, but just, like, I've, I've noticed that on a lot of artwork for, for Magic, just in general, where, like, the perspective is, is it, it, janky. It, it does feel like this is, like, M.C. Escher's candlestick. I like, agree. Yeah, but- I think even the light... Um, the way that it's reflected in the metallic um, base. Yeah, the, sh- the shadows don't make sense. It doesn't make sense, yeah. Yeah, no, if this is like, I feel like this is a car, like Doug Schuler got paid $200 to make this and he banged it out in an afternoon after work or something. <laughs> but he, <laughs> you know? I mean, he thought about this, the shape of this candle opera. Mm. I don't know. It It's interesting too, because it doesn't even look like anything else that you would see anywhere it's not like he tried to make a candelabra that looked like an antler or a pipe Mm -hmm. or i don't know something yeah it just is weird and it's weird that the candles are all different heights too yes yes it does give this strange impression of them somehow being forward while not quite attaching at the base in the place where you would expect them to i think the idea is that some of these work backwards and some of them work forwards but but the it just it just doesn't depth is very weird yeah like so the the middle the middle one and the one immediately to the right of it look like it's in the background Mm -hmm. and then the candles on the left look like they're in the foreground and the one farthest on the right is just like background, but is like looping around to the foreground. <laughs> is this like, do are we not giving Douglas Schuler enough credit? Like, is he just like 
<laughs> it's like it's like the room. It's it's interesting actually. Now that we're looking a little harder at it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is why people like MC Escher too, because you want to look at it and try and puzzle it out. Like I cannot yeah. figure out how the candle is actually attached to the base of this thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then even the base, like the so the arms holding the candles looks like it is like six inches to the left of where it attaches to the base of the candle mm. candle candlestick. And what about these random spots of light? around yeah it's just like twinkling light or something yeah very bizarre it is very strange and all the candles are have burned at different like rates so it's like yeah it's strange i I think that's specifically also to like mess with our sense of perspective where it's like maybe all these candles are the same length but they're just so far in the background they look shorter maybe Uh, that'd be very interesting um huh i hadn't really thought of that um, yeah, so maybe, again, maybe, I, maybe I'm not giving the artist enough credit. Maybe this is something that they're like, oh, like, this is like an, this candle is an artifact and it has some kind of magical, you know, abilities and we, even we just parse any... out how it's constructed is difficult. One other enough. thing that seems, I, I kind of am growing to like this more, but one thing that I think feels a little amateurish about it is the way that it goes right to the bottom of the frame and right to the top of the frame. Mm-hmm. Like, and even the shadow is kind of cut off. I feel like if you're yeah. going to do a still life, you're going to be really intentional about where you focus that still life in within the kind of like square that you have to work with. Mm-hmm. And the way this is almost coming off of the edges just makes it feel really cramped. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it's really hard for me to ever appreciate any still life because it's always like the first thing they always teach you to draw in art class. And it just it feels so like like no matter what the subject is, like every still life just feels so cliche to me. Dakota, Dakota doesn't want to be polite and tell me I'm just a simpleton who can't appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a still life is what you make of it as an artist in terms of, I would say, the um, the formal um problems you're trying to solve within it. I'm not mm-hmm. going to start waxing philosophical on you about Cezanne, but <laughs> I will I will say that um I have some respect for this guy Doug Schuler for mm-hmm. making us really puzzle out how everything is fitting together, the way <laughs> things fit in space. It clearly doesn't make any sense. Um, right. But at least it makes it more interesting to look at than a standard candelabra that is acting the way you would expect an actual candelabra to work. Hmm. Yeah, because I feel actually they have they've reprinted this for like Magic Online and the art that they've used for it is very like traditional, just like realistic. And that's something I, I kind of lament about new magic art is new magic art has definitely moved very far away from abstract and it's all very realism now. Uh, here, let me pull up the new candelabra art for you. It's kind of cool. Actually, if you are able to like, if you Google search candelabra of Tano's original art, you can find some high def or high resolution scans of it. And you can see it a little bit more clearly. The colors pop a lot more, which is kind of interesting. Because uh, this one that we're looking at is pretty faded, but some of the original... I believe the one we're looking at is an actual scan of an actual printed card. And that's okay. Why. 
So now let's take a look. So this card was reprinted, Dakota. You're sending it now? I, I'm adding it to the document. So if you scroll down, you should see it. So this card was reprinted. Ugh. This, this, is the, this is the new art that they used on the new printing of the card. It looks like something that came from, like, remember the video game Mist, Jerry? Yes. It looks like, it looks like it should be the cover of the Mist video game. Yeah, so it's like this, like, map, but the mountains are the candles. And yeah, it's-, it's a topographical landscape. I like wow. this, though, actually. I mean, it's weird. <clears throat> um, But it... To me, maybe I just haven't seen enough magic. It feels really different, the animation style or the mm. illustration style than other things I've seen. It's truly photographic looking, which is weird because it's something you would never actually see. In real- we, ha- we have been kind of easing you in, Dakota. We've been mostly showing you uh, old art, which is more stylized. And the new magic art coming out is much more digital and also much more like photorealistic art where it's a, it, a lot of it's actually difficult to tell if it is a, you know, a painting or an actual photo. Okay. So this is much more, uh, you know, typical of newer style magic. Do the, these two candelabra cards, do they have a function or a title? That- yeah. So their function in the game of magic is basically your, you, your, your lands tap for mana. So you can tap a land to add a mana of a specific color, which is your resource. And Candelabra is basically a filter where you can put mana into Candelabra to then reset your other lands. Okay. So so basically like... That didn't mean anything. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know if you're pulling my leg right now or if you seriously meant any of that. So, so basically, so you know how there's the five colors in magic. So the way that it works at its most basic level is if I have a blue, I can use candelabra to pay that blue to then untap a different land and maybe get black out of that different land. So it's a way to kind of like filter your colors, but then people use it in bro. I'm just going to stop because it, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's not, a fairly, yeah. it's a fairly, not, we're not getting anything out of that, Jerry. <laughs> okay. Well, they, they have a function. Yep. So uh, it, it's related to lands, which is why you can see this candlestick is now also a landscape. Okay. And was that also true with this first card? The- uh, the, yep, it's the same card. The only difference between them is the art. Wow. Okay, because absolutely nothing is communicated about anything in this first version. Oh, yeah. I think the first one is a very literal interpretation of a candelabra, where the second one is very much, we know what this card does. We want to have art that represents the card. I what I do like about this uh art is how it flows, which is also kind of reminiscent of uh like MC Escher style, where the wax from the candlestick becomes the clouds of the landscape. Mm. And it like it it merges together and I don't know if it's MC Escher, but I feel like everyone had that poster hanging in their college dorm of like the uh, different like clouds that then turned into a library that then turned into an ocean and like everything like merged together. And, sure, not everyone like, for... smoked as much weed as you in college. Probably. All right, everyone who smoked a lot of weed in college had this poster. I know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I in the history of art, light and ca- especially candles that are lit, 
um, obviously symbolize like life and the spiritual realm. Um, and I think that's kind of a ubiquitous symbol with candles. But I kind of like that the way that this um, this artist has done their artwork here, um, the, it feels like there's this kind of impending moment when the candle burns out. Like there's more of a focus on the sh how short this candle is and how, um, you know, the dripping in the foreground here, it's just like melting away. And uh, maybe I just have like current events on the mind a bit, but it does sort of feel like it's alluding to um, like the finite resources that we have available. Yeah, for sure. I, I do like this, this piece. It, it does. It's not maybe as like, I don't know if maybe now we're giving Douglas Schuler too much credit. <laughs> not, as, not as deep as Doug Schuler's version, but it is, it is definitely more of a, uh, a story in this piece. Actually, I should give credit to the new artist who is uh, Clint. Clint Keerley is the uh, artist of the new candelabra. Well, I like it. I would go for a hike here. Hmm. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, now I'm 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 wondering what Dakota's reaction to this next one is because this next one is kind of brutal, Dakota. It's supposed <laughs> to be brutal, though. Is this seriously a holiday magic card? It's a feast, feast of the unicorn. <laughs> I oh, actually no, I didn't even see it was a. Oh, that's so fucked up! <laughs> oh my god! Holiday holiday feast. Beasts of the unicorn. And this guy has blood dripping down his chin. Juices. Juices, please. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Dakota. <laughs> Dakota's gonna Did you cry. just see the Christmas spirit leave Dakota? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh, my God. Oh. Beast of no. the unicorn. Wow. Okay. Now, would this count as a still life? Because the foreground is a still life, but the background is actually... I would, say, I would say yes, it counts as a still life. Yeah, it's sort of a hybrid, but the definitely the focus is on that dead unicorn. <laughs> Uh, no, you got some. You got some grapes. You got some grapes and an apple there too. It's not. <laughs> well, I appreciate there is a a very dark sense of humor here. That that can be fun. <laughs> not to me, but that can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess you know you've got the unicorn like eating something, and the guy behind it has finished <laughs> eating something. So that's nice <laughs> symmetry there. Uh, <laughs> um, it's effective in that I am extremely uncomfortable looking at it. Mm. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of the point of the card. So, um, did we talk about flavor text last time you were on the, on the cast? I don't recall that. So it, so magic has a lot of flavor in it, not just in the art, but also every card has what's called flavor text where there's the text of the card that actually affect how you play the game. And then underneath that text is flavor text, which is just fun text that like adds to the story or like gives little tidbits or they'll like 
have a little pun or a joke in there. And it's just more, you know, rounding out the magic world and kind of giving you a little insight. Uh, so the, the flavor text of Feast of the Unicorn is, could there be a fouler act? No doubt the Baron knows of one. And it's just about just like it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. It's it's meant to, you know, it. This is not this is not a good thing. This is also obviously a uh, a black card, which is associated with kind of evil in magic. The Baron also refers to Baron Sengir, right? Who is a vampire? Yeah, Baron yeah. Sengir. Who's oh, a vampire. Yeah. so this is like a vampire's this, feast. Yeah, this is That's like a dark. This is like a very dark thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, so these these are like vampires who are sitting around eating the eating the unicorn. Has anyone ever remade this card and interpreted the title as like a unicorn having a feast of their own? No, there's would, only been would you one like other artwork for this, and it came in <laughs> I was the same say, would you set. like me to lie to you? <laughs> there's, there's only one other artwork that came in the same set. Actually, I will. I'm gonna drop it in the show in the uh, chat real quick. You can see what the other artwork for this was. Uh, it's not good for the unicorn. Both... Uh, it's even worse. It's even worse. <laughs> oh my god! So you can just see the unicorn's leg in the back, in the in like just below the, oh, the, the frame. Oh god! It's, it's like these goblins butchering the unicorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the flavor text of that one is: some delicacies delicacies are not to be savored, save by the callous. Right. By Baron Sanger, who is the one who is referenced in yes. the first one. Yep. It doesn't end well for this guy. That's what. <laughs> poor unicorn. Poor, poor unicorn. So, but just so we're clear, he's had like the skin ripped off, right? We're just looking at the musculature. I, I don't I know think if, it, if that's so. what it is. I think, well, because he's still got eyelids, right? So I think it's just like if you roast, if you roast a pig, like it still it looks like that even when the skin's still on it, right? Okay. It gets kind of crack, gets really delicious and crackling. Mm. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, oh, I I would man. eat this horse. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Pat, isn't that like in Harry Potter? If you like eat a unicorn, you uh, you have a cursed life or something like that. Yeah, if for, yeah, that's that's a thing. I, I actually read. My, I never read Harry Potter as a as a as a kid, but I read it to my kids, and I believe that's true. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> yes, awesome, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's move on to uh, you want to get some. Yeah, get some uh, some happier happier times, Dakota. <laughs> okay, this is interesting. So yeah, so this next one is also another holiday card, and it's actually a reference to another piece of art that we're going to talk about later. But same thing with Deck the Halls. This is a holiday card that was released. That's a uh, a parody of a, another magic card that came out years earlier. Oh, it's a parody. Yes. So this is Gifts Given by Jason Chan. So what do you think about just this art in itself? Well, I like it, actually. I mean, um, I won't say that I can immediately understand um, what's going on, but I it's intriguing, and I think it's quite nicely painted, too. I like the stylization. I mean, it, se- it reminds me of, like, like a... Japanese textiles in the cloths that are being used to wrap the presents and the pillows and her dress. Um, and even the painting on her forehead and 
are those ears or antenna? Yes. So this is a reference. There was a uh, like a Japanese mythology themed set. And that's what this is a reference to. And I believe in Japanese mythology, like bunnies are are associated with uh, with gifts or something like that. So I think they're supposed to be like bunny bunny ears. Okay. Oh, yeah, because like, I guess that thing doesn't have regular ears. It has like rabbit ears. Yeah, it, it has these like rabbit ears. And I think that's a reference to it. It's like a, a bunny giving gifts. And to give a little color, so it looks like she's wrapping for presents. And what this card does is... It's search target opponent's library for four cards with different names. That player chooses two of those cards, put the chosen cards in the player's graveyard, and the rest into your hand. Then that player shovels their library. So basically, you're giving your opponent a present when you play this card, where you get two cards and they get two cards. And that's why she's wrapping, she's wrapping four presents. Okay. Yeah, well, that seems nice. <laughs> Well, I had to I wash like out the, snow the taste in the back. of uh, I like unicorn. The snow you can see through the door in the back. That little bit of the landscape there. I, I don't, something about that really interests me. I really like the color scheme and how it's like very soft. Mm. And she like looks sort of like she's lit up by a fire. Like yes. we don't see it, but there is a fire. Um, you know, it has that sort of like warm glow that's coming yep. from a low down source. The way, yep. you know, you see the pillow um, against the wall, like the um, the shadow from the pillow against yeah. the wall. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but it reminds me of, like, the Polar Express. <laughs> yeah. Actually, now that you say it, it really does. It has that same sort of, like, deep, saturated color palette mm-hmm. with yep. a lot of, like, earthy tones, too. Right. Um, yeah, totally. And there's that kind of like softness around the edges for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and now, so this was a reference to another card. If we scroll down, the next card that this is referencing is Gifts Ungiven by Alexander Gregory. Mm. And this is, uh, while the composition's the same, it feels very different. It's much like colder. Mm-hmm. She looks sad, or yeah, looks sad. Yeah, very, very morose and blue. Does the card have the same function? Uh, so it's different. So gifts given is you search your opponent's library for four cards. Gifts ungiven is you search your library for four cards. So like very similar, but it's very like balanced and like counterpoints of each other. Okay. Huh. And do, do you know what the little objects are in either case? I I think they're just MacGuffins. They're not anything of in like actual importance. It looks like they're like snow globes. They look like the penguins. They look like some sort of birds. Yeah. Or... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was thinking of I just realized they're the same shape. If you look in the first one, they're the same shape. It's like snow oh, globes yeah. in the first one. Oh then, yeah, my gosh, this... you're right. They have tiny houses inside yep. of them. Yep. Yeah, so they're like I snow didn't globes even in the notice first that. one. And then the second one, they're it the same the shape, but yeah, they are like they're like penguin, like little bird statues almost. Oh. Oh well, that's cool. I like both of these. I mean, I I think I'm more drawn to the style of the first one because it's more painterly. Mm-hmm. But I actually I think the kind of angularity of um this woman it's like she her dress kind of looks like folded origami and then yeah she turns into a person out of it which i think is kind of cool 
it's interesting that you mention it because I never really realized it, but you're right. The softness, the the gifts given is super soft and blended, and then gifts ungiven is like really hard contrast. Like especially her shoulder, like the lines of her shoulder are like really thick, almost like they like gripped it like a five year old, uh, like a dagger, and like drew the line really heavily down. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Looks like her fire went out and she fell asleep, too. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think she looks awake, but kind of bored and sad. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Whereas in the first one, it feels like she's sort of like feeling pleasant and um, happy to be wrapping these gifts for. And she's thinking about the people she's giving them to. I'm projecting way too much, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> definitely well yeah i mean it's it's great she doesn't look forlorn at least yes mm-hmm. definitely definitely sadder in the second one i never realized just how sad she looks because i've seen this art a hundred times this card saw a lot of play and i never really realized just how kind of morose she looks in the uh gifts ungiven mm-hmm. by uh alexander gregory two first names that's how you know he's important <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we, we we brightened your mood a little bit. This next one's going to bring it a little bit down, but it's from oh, our... Oh, this is fun, though. So this is Seb McKinnon, who I believe you said was your favorite artist on... Yeah, I really like his style. So this is another piece by Seb McKinnon. Uh, I asked for holiday cards, and our friend Jasper Birch suggested this. This card is called Damnation. <laughs> and when I asked him how it was a holiday card, he responded with, it's a Christian thing. <laughs> Well, it is totally. This has a lot of elements of the apocalypse, as told by St. John, I think. I'm not. Yeah. yeah this, uh, so actually, I can point a few things out that are maybe even direct references to that. The horses. Yes. Um, the, there's a kind of like eclipse that's happening. Um, the deluge or the flood. Um, and some of these beasts, I think there were like whales maybe, or other, other sea animals. Um, so yeah, this does seem to be, uh, conjuring all of that. And it's this idea of like the end of time, but it's a little bit hopeful because you know that after this period of damnation there's this like rebirth that can happen interesting yeah and now that you pointed it really does it it does it's very reminiscent of like the uh medieval style art of just like the apocalypse that was really popular where just like basically like all this stuff is going on and the more you it almost it's almost like the goriest where's waldo you've ever seen where it's just like all this different stuff all happening um, I just noticed an Easter egg in this, though. Well, he's got a lot of references to other art he's done, Jerry. I was going to say, yeah, so in the, the left-hand side, is yeah. the, it's the Knights from Stasis yeah. that we looked like looked at in the last episode. But if, also, if you look on the right-hand side, that well, kind of like on the right third, that little girl that's in the bottom there who's looking up at like the, the Reaper is from mm-hmm. another card he's done as well. I can't pinpoint. And also the, the, the Red Skull holding the Flaming Sword... 
I think it's from another piece of work. He's just, so it definitely references a bunch of stuff he's done here. Um, well, same also with the uh, the demon with like the sun for a head. Yeah. That reminds me of uh, the other piece we looked at last episode, uh, yep. Soul Herder. Yep. Yes. Like exactly. very reminiscent of that. Yep. I really like Seb McKinnon's art. It's really interesting to me. Do you guys know Hieronymus Bosch? That oh, I think that's the the artist I was thinking of that does like all the apocalypse art. Yeah, I can um, hold on a sec. I'll send you an image. Um, this this feels like it's totally yes. coming out of looking at his work. Yes, this is uh, this is exactly yeah. This is exactly what I was thinking of when I referenced like the Where's Waldo from Hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. It because there's so much going on. It's, but the artist makes it kind of fun to look at. Like there are all these insane creatures that are like sort of funny to looking and, um, you, it's like, there's this endless amount of things to look at this endless number of ways to imagine that you're going to be tortured when you read. (laughs) Yeah. It's very much like the Beetlejuice interpretation of hell. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about those like fish things and how unnerving it is to see an animal with both eyes on one side of its head? Mm-hmm. How, like that's such a like a, like you see that in flounder, like uh, the fish of flounder. Um, it's just such a weird thing to see in nature that it's really unnerving to see it in in this artwork. I agree. Yeah. Also, I'm really excited that I can order a Hieronymus Bosch. A throw blanket of the Garden of Earthly Delights. That's very nice. <laughs> oh my God, that's a great holiday. I think gift. I just found Jerry's Christmas gift. Honestly, <laughs> I would I would be so excited if you got me that. It's it's super like reasonably priced. <laughs> uh, well, I so, really love this. I think it's so, fun. There's so much to look at. And the other thing I was gonna say that I think. Um, I thought this with the other Seb McKinnon we looked at too. Despite the fact that there's so much going on in this, even though it's like on a tiny little card, it's not too much. Or I mean, it's kind of, it gives the impression of being too much, but you're, you have an easy time looking at it because of the way he's structured it. So like you have this obvious foreground with the red, you have this, I, I would say like the kind of um, main focal point is the, um, the skeleton of a horse fighting against the horse. And because that's against a back, uh, black background, it's like really draws your eye to it. And then he has the more um, like sky scene and they all come together in a fairly harmonious way. And there are different tiers. So I just, I think that he does a really good job, including an extreme amount of detail in a small space um, and um, just portioning things off so that you still are able to digest it all. Yeah, definitely. Also, you 100% called it with uh, Bosch, uh, Dakota, because I just found a uh, a Reddit post that uh, Seb McKinnon, the artist, actually contributed on, and he said Bosch was a huge inspiration for painting this piece. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, Seb McKinnon blowing it out of the water yet again. I think he... It, I mean, Zach Stella is my favorite magic artist right now, but man, Seb McKinnon, I think, might be overtaking him. Yeah. Like, Seb, Seb McKinnon's really talented. I would love to see this in person. It looks like it's painted, and he's it just is, doing so actually. many different effects with his paintbrush to create that because there are parts of it that are sort of hazy. You know, where you have like the um, the hooded figures fading into the background. 
And then there are parts that are really clear. And he's, I, I just, I would love to see the kind of brush strokes that he's using to create that all of these different effects. So I just sent you a link in the chat from, it's an article from Hipsters of the Coast, because this artwork actually just sold for $30,000 uh, at the end of November, the original artwork for this. Um, and they actually have some pictures of like close-up scans of some of those details you were just mentioning, Dakota. So you might be interested in seeing some of those. They're pretty cool. There's a couple slides. I think there's one or two slideshows in there. You can click through them and see some of the more. The oh, more yeah. Oh. Wow. But the like they have the original artwork and it's uh, let me see what the original dimensions were. So it's you know sixteen by twenty inches. So it's not actually that large. You know all That's things like considered. That's like slightly larger than a sheet of paper. Yeah, and 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 then again, it shrunk down to a magic card. That's an inch and a half by two and a half inches. So it's pretty impressive. Well, he has a really strong understanding of using um, the play of light and dark to create mm-hmm. a lot of drama. Mm-hmm. I feel like the- just saying it that way is an understatement. He really. The black sun and yeah. all of it, yeah. And this like angel with black wings on a black background. Mm. That normally I feel like if you asked me to draw a black wings on a black background, I would just mess it up. Mm-hmm. But this is <laughs> this is really well. Like he uses the 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 light highlights to actually outline the wings, yeah. which is really cool. I like the plague doctor that's in there too. It's pretty cool. Right, like the random plague doctor. I'm. I think that's just his face. (laughs) This is a picture of 2020, really. Seriously, yeah, this is 2020. You you know what's interesting, Jerry? I just noticed this, but the picture that you have on the um, the uh, document here, right? That plague doctor mask has like a second jaw below it, but on the original art, that doesn't. It's actually not there. So I wonder if that was something that they photoshopped afterwards to like make it seem less like a, in a, in a, in a, in a, I don't know, reference to COVID. I don't know if that's what they were trying to do there, but it's Wait, definitely really? not there. It's not there in the printed version? No. No, in the in the version you have there, it's, there's like a second white line the there. Version, the version I, I posted was the version he posted as his original art that right. he posted on Reddit. But if you go to the Hipsters of the Coast, the actual, like the picture of the original painting... It's not there, but if you look at the picture on the card, it is there. So, like, go go to the go to that article, right? Look at the very first picture on the page, and there, it, or rather, I'm sorry, the picture of the actual artwork that's sitting on a table, and that little line is not there. But then you scroll below, and you have a picture of the card image, and that line is there. I wonder if that's something that they did. Uh, oh, you're a hundred percent right. Isn't that weird? It, it is. It is different. It's weird, right? They usually don't alter art like that for cards yeah because in in the original painting it is 100 percent a plague doctor yes yes and in the printed one it is not a plague yeah doctor. they like so yeah I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that was altered because of covid uh interesting it seems like a pretty weak move but all right pretty weak move anyway we're getting a little bit into the weeds on that but <laughs> All right. <laughs> I had to do this next one because when I asked for people to suggest their favorite holiday ones, I didn't specify the <laughs> I was Christmas. 
<laughs> but uh, a bunch of people said we should do All Hallows Eve by Christopher Rush for Halloween. I meant Christmas holidays, guys, but we'll do we'll do a Halloween one for you. <laughs> so this is uh, by Christopher Rush, who is probably the most famous magic artist of all time. He unfortunately he passed away a couple years ago and he did some of the most iconic art in magic and did he do the oh. infamous black lotus yes. he did do the infamous i remember black lotus. that one yep. i like that one so this is the same artist of black lotus uh this is all Hallows eve which i think is uh, one of people's favorites like i uh, i i feel conceptually this one uh is prob- probably a bit more detailed than black lotuses <laughs> you think <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, Dakota, if we remember, is not a fan of Black Lotus. Uh, slap together is what I think you uh, <laughs> referred to it as. Um, well, you know, Christopher Rush. Gotta love him. He, I mean, <laughs> I, I think he, uh, he really phones it in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just don't know what to say. <laughs> it's um, it's fun, I guess. You know, sure, it's um. fun. <laughs> Do you feel like this is something that like a uh, high school art student could draw? Oh, for sure. Like a skilled middle schooler could. (laughs) (laughs) And what's more, like, I don't, there just isn't anything. There is no story that's being told. There's absolutely no reason why a tiger, a ghost, and a pumpkin should be hanging out. I mean, I guess it's always. I think it's a gargoyle. I think it's a gargoyle is what it is. Oh, Jerry, you're right. It's totally a gargoyle. But it does. When I see this, I think of uh, the Haunted Mansion in Disney World. Like, this feels like it would be a painting hanging in the Haunted Mansion. And it's just some, like, knick-knack. Like, give me some stereotypical haunted stuff. Mm. He used four paint colors. (laughs) And that's it. He didn't even pretend to do more than that. (laughs) He literally had four blobs of paint on a palette and was like 30 minutes later here you go dakota is just ripping down one of the most like honored like artists in the game that's so i love it <laughs> it, it does make me wonder like so christopher rush yes his art is very well known but that's because his cards were some of the most powerful cards ever printed yeah totally and it makes me wonder if other artists had done those cards if they would have been more famous if you know Christopher Rush, his art was more famous because of like the cards that was printed on rather than the actual. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting though that you say you know people sent this in, they really like it. There's a there's an extreme simpleness to his works compared to all of the other magic cards that you've shown me. Mm-hmm. Do you think people just find that refreshing, maybe, or that that's their style? I think, I think part of it. Part of it is like it's really nice to look at a card and especially when you're when you're viewing these like most of us view them like I said in this really small you know a window that's you know smaller than this you know so it it's nice when it's a very simple design because it looks I, I don't know it looks 
it looks better in that small frame. Whereas like if you looked at something like even like Gifts Ungiven is that there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on in that in that artwork, you know? Yeah, there's definitely art that I looked like in the card. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's art. It, it, it fills a space. And then I, when I actually saw the art blown up, I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really good. Mm. Like Soul Herder. Soul Herder mm. is a card I didn't think twice about when I saw it as cards. But then when I saw the print of Soul Herder by Sebekin, I realized like just how good a piece of art that was. Mm-hmm. And I think Christopher Rush does that where his art translates very well. Like I think he 100% knew his market. He knew what he was painting for and the size it would be represented at. And he, you know, designed for that market. Hmm. He's a very efficient artist. He's efficient. <laughs> he understands the format. I think you're right. If I'm thinking about this in a much smaller size, hmm. I still think it's very basic. Well, and yeah, it's it, cute. It's fun. We're asking you to judge the art on its merit, not on its application. Right. So it's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Awesome. Should we uh, move on to the next one? Yeah, let's go for it. Oh, oh so geez. this one is actually this is from. This, oh boy. Okay. This is a joint effort, actually. So this is Nene Thomas and Philip Mosness. Wow, two people had to make this art. Two people had to make this art, and it's Stormbind from uh, Ice Age. Thank goodness for that extra wisp of hair, right? Like, if it wasn't for <laughs> right? that, this would be an this would be an X rated card. I'm guessing Nene added that at the <laughs> uh, Yeah. It really begs the difference between, you know, what's the difference between art and pornography? <laughs> <laughs> if this arouses you. Uh... Um, I, I just, I, we do. I, I re- I'm really attracted to cold, uncaring women. <laughs> 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 um, all right. So. What do you guys think? I think it's bad. I mean, I think I it's think bad. It's... This is this is the again another card from an, from an early Magic set, and I think a lot of the artwork that was in there in these sets, especially when you're depicting like a person, it like the the person's arm, like their bicep versus their forearm, it like again like the the proportions on the on the actual. Are you gonna judge this art like because the person off. doesn't lift? What's that? Because they don't lift, they skipped arm day. Well, like yeah, like well, this 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 entity does a lot of forearm curls, but just completely neglects the biceps. I can't understand that. And the other arm is again all. It's just yeah, and like the, the like the nips being covered by a wisp of hair is just weird, and I'm not a huge fan. It's very. It reminds me of like Jack Frost, where it's uh, what Jack Frost like- are you watching? <laughs> Well, no, in that, like, their body is also the wind. Okay. Like, when you feel the wind, it's actually just this spirit lady's hair blowing on you. Like, her hair turns into the wind. This is the worst version of Pocahontas, is that what you're saying? <laughs> this is the XXX-rated version of uh, of Jack Frost. They do not show this on the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> I do like the hands. I think the hand, the, especially the uh, the hand on the left-hand side is is. It's yeah, the hands cool. and it's kind of cool. Hands are really difficult to draw. Oh yeah, I, I will say that. But I yeah. mean, they're difficult for us to draw. But if you're a trained <laughs> artist, please be able to draw an anatomically correct person and hands. I, you know, I think that um, if someone told me like this was um, an adolescent boy who like 
pulled one of the pages out of their journal and like you know wanted to want it was their dream to have it become a magic card i'd be like well that's nice well uh, hold on is it like the whole thing with uh the statue of david isn't the whole thing like the hands are misproportioned on the statue of david yeah but that's very intentional you know why because big hands big feet (laughs) 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 no because you were meant to be standing um below him and so actually you would have been seeing his hands before you saw other features of his body. Oh, so it's all perspective wise. I actually I never knew that. I took a tour and they're like, they did this because he messed up. There's actually <laughs> that t- so there that tour is a, guide lied to me. <laughs> there was a great uh I think it was a um This American was it This American Life? I can't remember. I could listen to a great podcast late, uh, recently about the creation of the statue of David and how the piece of marble that was hewn will like sat outside for like a like third like twenty years or like some obscene amount of time where and like no artist wanted to actually work with the marble and uh, the pe- person chosen to do it was like some young like you know some young guy and an un- like relative unknown it is uh, I could be misquoting all of these things but this is how I remember it. it was a really interesting story about the uh, the creation of that statue so. If I can find it, I'll find it. It's Michelangelo, for the record. Mm-hmm. My favorite ner- Ninja Turtle. <laughs> yes. My favorite Ninja Turtle as well. Um, <laughs> no, but it's uh, Michelangelo. This is a total tangent. I'm sorry. But he was, he kind of like cobbled body parts together. That was his thing. Like mm-hmm. he, he was really interested in the male body and he would get like super ripped guys to pose for him and he would draw them, study them in parts and then he would rather when he was creating his final works of art rather than like doing them from a live model he would kind of draw he would cobble together his drawings and create a sort of superhuman and so his bodies are not known for being anatomically precise but they're kind of like um overemphasizing uh, certain Sorry, qualities that he wants to come across for an intended purpose. So, mm. um, anyway, that's that's not has absolutely nothing to do with enchantment. <laughs> okay, uh, I found the I found the article. It was it was an, a podcast episode made out of a Sunday uh, Sunday uh, read on of the of the New York Times called David's Ankles. I'm gonna link it in the in the uh, show notes for for people, but uh, it's worth checking out. Patrick, awesome. you're such an art fan. I love it. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> All right. Well, the one thing I do want to say about enchantment. You mean uh, Stormbind? Oh, sorry, Stormbind. Right, right, right. It's okay. I was looking at the wrong label. Um, is that the um, the color palette is really subtle? I feel like mm. compared to some of the other cards we've looked at, right? So, yeah, this also feels like it would only be, like, two or three colors, but it, when you look closer, there is actually way more colors used in this palette. Yeah, and it's, like, I, I mean, it seems like a figure that's kind of coming out of the mist or the fog or a snowstorm or something. So it makes sense that they wouldn't have wanted to use a lot of color, you know, really bright contrasts, I guess. Um, but I... I appreciate the way that they've created this feeling of cold and atmosphere and like churning and moving 
through the clouds. Um, I think like basically if you ignore the woman or if she were more skillfully rendered, this could be a really interesting card. Yeah. 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 I agree. How do you guys feel about the snowflakes? Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big, I mean, I, we, there was actually snowflakes on another card too. And I, I thought to myself, like people really like drawing snowflakes in like greater detail. Oh, it was the infernal spawn of evil. That's what it was. Uh, has a big snowflake in the upper that, right. Yeah. Corner. Talk about. Talk about like uh, bad perspective, but like it always seems like whenever artists draw snowflakes, they draw it under a microscope and not what like, like actual snowflakes <laughs> look like. This one I think makes sense because this like spirit, it, I feel, is like bringing the snow. Like this is a snow spirit that yeah. is like bringing the snow to you. And that's where I got Jack Frost from, Pat. <laughs> okay, sure. I think the next card's more like Jack Frost than, but I'm thinking the Michael Keaton version of Jack Frost where he becomes a snowman. Yeah, and then he has to parent his children as a snowman. How much? Uh, how much time do you have left, uh, Dakota? You know, whatever pandemic. All right. <laughs> That's what we like to hear. I was like, all right, we'll do. I was gonna say this is gonna be our last one, but we got a couple more. Then if uh, if you got some time, yeah, I still have like a quarter bottle of wine to go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So this next piece feels like it should be a uh, a joke set, but this is actually a real magic card that is tournament legal and you can put in your in your deck. It is Goblin Snowman. <laughs> All right. Well, the the title is misleading, right? Like it sounds like it should be the snowman that's a goblin. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, a goblin made a snowman that looked like a goblin, but it's just a regular snowman. Yeah. Well, I mean, a snowman doesn't exactly look like a man either, right? So eh, it depends on what part of America you're in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you go out on the deep south, hang out by some barbecue joints, you'll find some snowman looking guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is cute. I mean, I could see this becoming a Pixar movie. <laughs> These whimsical goblins making snowmen. Yeah. Everyone loves a snowman that's having kind of a rough day. True. I like the flavor of this card. So the whole thing is, so when when blocking Goblin Snowman neither deals nor receives damage. And I just picture that these goblins are going around making like hundreds of these snowmen. <laughs> so that when like you attack the snowman, the snowman disintegrates. And you don't take any damage, but you don't really do any damage. And then there's just, like, all these snowmen all over the place, and you can't tell which one's real. It's like uh, that episode of The Office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool, I guess. What do you think of the artwork? I'll leave that to the expert. Yeah. <laughs> um. What do I think of the artwork? Very cartoony, right? It's very cartoony. I think, I mean, my first reaction was, like, this could be a Pixar, you know, still. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to put my finger on what it is about this. Maybe the colors that make it feel so, like, bright and full sun. Um, there's not as much contrast. And it's just, I mean, the the way it's whimsical. Like, you've got a silly snowman and three little goblins poking their heads out. And they're about to throw a snowball. <laughs> I guess it is a goblin snowman, though, because it has, like, goblin ears on it, right? Made out of twigs. Kind of like goblin ears on this on its head. I guess so. Uh, I think it's you know it's fun, but kind of like the first work that you showed me. Like it's it is pure illustration. It's not really. I wouldn't say that this 
the person who created this does anything to show that they're um they're thinking about creating something that's beautiful or communicates something um that's real like in a really skillful way i guess it's more like they want to make something charming mm yeah i i can see that but they did you know it's it's uh, it accomplishes that goal i guess I feel that happens a lot with uh, magic cards, especially goblins, is they go for the, like, charming little scamps is a is a recurring theme that we see with goblin cards. Should we move on to the next one? Sure. Uh, just so, uh, just a quick note. Daniel Daniel Gellin's done a couple cards for magic. I thought this was his only card, but he's done a he's done a few. Yeah. yeah. So this next one is by Mark Poole. And. Despite, so I love Dakota just burst out laughing when she saw this. I gotta see which one this is. Hold Mark on. Poole is also an extremely well-known magic artist who has done some <laughs> amazing works. Despite what this artwork looks like, this one you might have spent a little less time on. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're gonna blow my mind with like with stasis and say this is actually like <laughs> a super complex uh, art. But we have Goblin Ski Patrol. <laughs> Goblin Ski Patrol. Oh my god. <laughs> Also, not a joke card. A real, actual magic card that you can play in a tournament. For real? Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, no one does because it's not good. But I was going to say, magic was wild to if you early. played this, would someone just start laughing at you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So do you think, like, what came first? The shittiness of the, the card's quality or the art? definitely the art because i mean when this was printed it wasn't a bad card it's just with a uh, power creep over the years like there's been so many cards that do better things that like a lot of the older cards have been outclassed by newer cards one of the things i like about this card one of the flavorful things that is a, a mechanic of the card so like the way the way the, the card works is mechanical but it, it has great flavor in that you can give your your goblin ski patrol flying but then it dies <laughs> so which is like just very flavorful. No, with this it, card. it doesn't. It doesn't die. It's flying. Yeah. It uh, at, at end of. T- oh yeah, it does. Yeah, die. bury. Right. Yeah, bury it. So and so you can, your goblin you ski only... control can gain flying for a turn, but then it dies. <laughs> but then bury goblin ski control, and also you can only activate this ability if you control a snow covered mountain. Yes, it's very. So specific. it can only gain flying if you have a snow covered mountain. Yeah, it's awesome. Did you? Wasn't there a movie called Ski Patrol? Was that what it yes. was called? Probably. Yeah, I'm sure there or was. Snow Patrol. It was horrible, but it was like kind of fun how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, it Wait, was is that there. the one that had Zach Galifianakis? No, that's yes. out cold. No, that's out cold. Never mind. No, it's, it was way game? older. It was like an 80s movie, I want. I have to look home. I just remember that movie, Pat, because they their friend like passes out drunk. That's the Zach so they, Galifianakis part. Yeah, That's he passes so out drunk, funny. so they like put him in the driver's seat of the car and then like push the car on the ice and then like oh. start rotating the car. Oh, it's so and like, funny! Wake and they up, wake, wake him up. up. <laughs> they wake him up in the middle of it. Oh, it's so yeah. They funny. wake him up so it looks like he fell asleep at the wheel. <laughs> One of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, my first impression when I saw this card. Forgive, forgive me if this is way off base, but Sinbad. Sinbad. <laughs> Wait, what? Because like the helmet and. <laughs> I don't know. I just like. I... <laughs> no, am I wrong? I mean, I like. He just has like the skull for the shoulder pad. Like. 
And like, what's with this? The the other goblin in the background that's clearly like just wiped out. But like, look at this face. <laughs> you know, you know what this card reminds me of is: Did you ever play the ski game from like Windows ninety five? That came like pre-installed on Windows games where you had to ski down the mountain. I no, didn't play that, but awesome. it this card totally has like an early video game vibe about it. Yes. Totally. It, like this could definitely be like the cover of like some yeah. like, NES video game cartridge. Yeah. <laughs> and I think um if we just want to break it down for a sec, the it's got so much action. It's like a still in a movie capturing the peak moment of action he's just like swerved so hard that his little buddies have been sent flying (laughs) i i can't get over this guy's face that's wiping out (laughs) it's just a dot and it's two dots for the eyes and a black mouth yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know it feels like there should be sound effects coming out of this (laughs) well if you look the flavor text which we discussed before the flavor text of this card is (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's great Oh, oh I kind of like magic. I feel like I need to learn more about it. Uh, one of us. One of <laughs> us. <laughs> it's very weird. It is. It is. <laughs> I like this card. I like his helmet. I mean, he's got a good look. Like, I I dig his style. for. He's pretty ripped, I will say. It's interesting to see a purple goblin, too. You don't see many of those. I think it's because it's snow. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) It's like they turn they turn purple in the cold, Pat. Yeah, they're like popsicles. (laughs) You know what's interesting? Um, and I'm 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 going back to the uh, the Goblin Snowman card. I'm looking at other artwork that Daniel Gellin has done, the same artist, and his art ranges from like being really really good, like really he's done a ton of Goblin cards in general, but like. He's been doing artwork for Magic for a long time. He's like one of the early guys, but he I think the let me see. He's done stuff for Unglued. I'm trying to see if there's anything like more recently, but some of like it's interesting that that's just I guess what I'm saying is like the artwork can range from being like kind of like Goblin Snowman, which is like very cartoonish to other other things like uh Librarian like he did he did uh, Librarian of Lang Jerry, which is like a much more like uh realistic, you know, intricate card. He did Lich which is another like really interesting card. So I don't know. That's all I wanted. I wanted to add that. It's not really relevant, but uh, that's it. Moving on. Nice. No, that's cool. That's very. He's cool. done a ton of ton of artwork for. He did strip mine. You know. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. He did Uncle Uncle Istvan. He did a bunch of Thalid cards. I have <laughs> an unrelated question, but seeing sure. the skull on here makes me wonder. Is it like a thing if you're really into magic to get a tattoo of a magic card? Totally. I know lots of people with magic art tattoos. Yeah, very really? much. I was wondering. Yeah, I, some it's not always like a card itself or like an image from a card, but sometimes like they'll do like characters, yeah, and symbols because yeah. there's a lot of like symbology in magic. And so a lot of people will get like the mana symbols tattooed or like the planeswalker symbol. But yeah, 
I know a lot of people with magic car, uh, magic tattoos. Each one cooler than the last. Dakota, even more than that, I know several people who have named their children after magic cards. Really? Yes. Like, yes. what would that be? Uh, Jace. Naya. Uh, Naya. Liliana. There's actually uh, Phyrexian Obliterator. That's one. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's this uh, there's this famous magic comic where it's like these four people hanging out. It's like, oh, let's name our let's name our kids after magic cards. And they're like, yeah. And then it goes like ten years later, and it's just like, oh, is this my this is Baby Jace? It's like, oh, this is Baby Chandra. And then they're like, oh, you guys are crazy. This is my kid, Phyrexian Obliterator. It's <laughs> 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 like their kid out. Goblin Ski Patrol has a nice ring to it. gonna tuck that away in the book dakota (laughs) (laughs) you'll never see it coming so why why do you ask about uh magic tattoos i don't know i just you know a lot of times when people get really excited about a certain thing they get tattoos of it i don't have any tattoos but i i like i'm always interested to see what people choose the other thing uh, we maybe we'll talk about on a future episode, Dakota. Is uh, what's really big in the magic community is altars. I actually did it. Did you see the one that I linked in the chat, Jerry? Oh no, I didn't. But uh, uh, a big thing in the magic. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, a big thing in the community is uh, people will actually pay artists to draw art on top of the cards to alter the art to either add things or to completely change the art. Huh. So they make it a one of a kind thing. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Yep. And are they hiring the same artist who made that card or a different no. artist? Well, uh, they I mean, can. Sometimes. Can. Yeah. So these artists, a big thing at events is like at magic conventions, they'll often have ex- exhibits where a bunch of artists, they'll get like 10 magic artists and they'll all be there like signing autographs. And people will pay them. It's like, hey, can you sign this card? And if I pay, like kick you an extra like 20 bucks, will you also like draw a doodle on top of the card? So, like, that's really popular. But then there's also people who will just pay, like, small town artists to alter their magic cards to have, like, something completely different. Like, uh, one that's really cool is, let me show you, uh, going back to the Candelabra art. Yeah, so do you have the Eric Klug one? Because I put that in the chat, but we never talked about it. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. So Eric Klug is, like, probably our best uh, alter guy in the community. He does he does uh, quite a few altars and he these ones he paints by hand on the card itself. Uh, his stained glass stuff is really is really unique. Uh, every piece of every altar he does is like one of one. This is the same one we looked at, but then someone painted on top of it. Yes, yeah, he so, painted. So over someone it. took the actual magic card, like the small little this card, is way and then he painted better. this. I love this. Yeah, so uh, Eric, that's why I linked it because I really wanted to see what you thought of Eric Klug, but we weren't really talking about the altars. But he is um, a very, very, very talented uh, altar. And so this is like all the like you can still see the the you know the uh, the name of the card on there, the mana cost, all that stuff. He paints around it. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's done some cards like. You know, he's done uh, alters on, like, $10,000 magic cards. Like, he'll alter, like, you know, original, like, power cards that are very expensive. And um, everything that he does is is one of one. Like, he won't repeat any of his alters for anyone. So they're all very unique and very, very intricate and very, very beautiful, I think. You know what I love about this? I mean, the one that you're showing me right now mm-hmm. is that it 
it makes that candelabra make sense. Yeah. Because, like, yep. medieval stained glass is, like, a little bit off and disproportionate anyway because of the mm -hmm. way it had to be manufactured. And so to have a candelabra that, like, looks a little bit off kilter and, like, mm -hmm. you know, some of the candles are bigger than others, it all of a sudden makes sense in that context, you know, with, like, yeah. the broken up stained glass behind it. And then he gets rid of all of the like distracting illumination behind it and just um, integrates it into this symmetrical um, framing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's kind of like the candelabra sort of like floats beyond the sphere that it's surrounding in a way yep. that like gives it this kind of like um, presence, I guess. I think this yeah. is really cool, and I think they should reissue the card. <laughs> With Eric Klug's art, yeah. Well, the thing that's so impressive to me is this is on the actual magic card, so he's literally sitting there with like a paintbrush and magnifying glass. Yeah. Detail if if you look really closely too, one of the techniques he does, Jerry, um, is he uses his his he taps with his finger a lot on the artwork. And if you look at that red circle that's outside the uh, candelabra, if you look on the left-hand side just above the center line, you can actually see some of the ridges of his fingerprint there in the actual uh, – like in that red. I don't know if you can see it, how close yeah, you can, can see, see it, it, but you can see these ridges from his fingerprints because he'll do like a little bit of paint and he'll – He'll use his finger and he'll start tapping on it to get the the right blend and stuff. It's very. I've watched him because sometimes he'll stream doing uh, some of this artwork and it, or some of these altars, and it's really interesting. I yeah, love but... this. I think this is a genius reinterpretation of mm. the original. So we have to do. We'll have to do a Klug altars uh, episode where we go through a bunch of his altars because I think I think Dakota, you could really you would really appreciate it because he's uh, he's an artist and he definitely has a, a very interesting uh, eye for. For how he does our, uh, you know, the the altars on the cards. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe we can uh, get him on the cast too, because we actually asked him to uh, design a uh, some merchandise for us, and basically said it's like I would love to, but I am book solid for like the next nine months. Yeah. He is a he is a very busy artist, <laughs> but maybe we can get him to uh, take a night off and join us on the cast. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be really cool. Should we uh, move on with the next piece? Yeah, let's go. So this is our our first land of the episode. So the uh, the scenery of magic, uh, snow covered island. This is actually one of my favorite islands. I really like this art. It's very cool. Yeah, I like it a lot. So if I remember from the last time we spoke about the lands, they're meant to be kind of like a. They often are monochrome. Yes. Yeah, they're and there they isn't represent any the colors going on. Yeah, it's it's basically meant to be like this is the background in which stuff is happening. Okay. It itself isn't really supposed to be the focus of attention. It's more like all this other stuff is happening here. So like if we played our goblin ski patrol, we would be playing it with snow covered islands. <laughs> oh my god. So you, you could just picture like the little goblin ski patrol guy <laughs> skiing down this little mountain slope into the ocean. Oh, I yep. love that idea. I think it like it would be a perfect Christmas cartoon to merge mm -hmm. the storylines of all of these cards. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Someone should make that. Definitely. You could, if if only copyright wasn't an issue, you could totally make so many children's books by just like merging together magic art. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, this is really nice. It looks like it's um, originally done in watercolor. Um, and I would say it, it does feel like it's in line with some of the other lands works that you showed me in the past where it's got kind of like a, a focal point within the landscape. Um, it's not exactly symmetrical, but it, it, um, has strong angular components to it. Um, and there, I, I like this in a way better than the ones that you showed me last time. And I'm afraid I forget who that artist was. Um, uh, John Avon, I believe. Yes. That yeah, time. that was it. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I think I prefer this because of the more like hand painted quality. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Avon's very digital. Yeah, so. right. But this seems like, I mean, wh what I think I appreciate about this is for example, when you zoom in a little bit on these heads, mm -hmm. you realize how little the artist actually put down in order to create them. Mm -hmm. like how little paint was actually applied to their piece of paper or canvas. Um, and so they were extremely efficient with the amount of paint that they used to create this very evocative scenery. Mm -hmm. um, and even with their color palette, like this is just ranges of gray to blue, but what they're doing is they're using different techniques to create different effects. So like yeah. the sky, um, having done a very little bit of watercolor myself, and not that I'm good at it or anything, I just sort of like learned some of the basics of like the effects that happen when you apply paint to a surface. This is done with like a very washed out brush, like a lot <clears throat> of water, maybe even like putting water on top of pigment so that it creates these kind of like billowous forms within that span of gray. <clears throat> And then the water, there's actually a lot more dry paper left behind than you'd expect. Like all of that white is left behind dry paper probably. And the same with this mountain. So, I mean, it's watercolor is a really interesting medium. And I, I guess I'm making an assumption here, but I do think that this is probably watercolor. Mm. I think so because like I I don't know how you would achieve those clouds like the clouds look almost like water stains. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, not that it's not intentional. Just like it's not like they sketched out clouds. It's like they just like dripped water on the paper and like it came out looking like clouds and like that was intentional. But right, it's very like let the paint do what it wants to do and that's what the art looks like. And I think with watercolor, you know, for someone who isn't as well versed in the medium, it's easy to overdo it. And the really skillful watercolor painter leaves a lot of white and kind of trusts that the, you know, with snow, I mean, I think what artists really like about snow scenes is that snow is reflecting the light. Mm -hmm. And you need just a very little bit of color to create those sharp contrasts of light and shadow. And I, I, you know, this is an artist who clearly really understood that balance and um, managed to make this pretty like eerie island um, come to life. Mm. Uh, and, and you even get a suggestion of like, 
the tides coming in to the shore here with like the um the snow or maybe they're like uh icicles dripping down into the water so mm-hmm. there's a lot of different land and um uh like snow formations that are happening within a very small compressed space mm-hmm. very cool and the artist on that also is uh Anson Maddox, which is not really a name I rec- I recognize. I wonder. I'm he's sure done. He's done a lot of of uh, a lot of artwork for Magic. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's always something I should do better with. Is like you know pay more attention to the actual artists of the cards. Yeah. Have you guys seen um, this card done with heads before? No. This no. is the only Easter Island head uh, artwork I've seen in yeah. Magic. Typically, Magic likes to stay away from real-world references. Well, I mean, it's taking a real-world reference, but doing something... I mean, because the Easter Island, I don't think, is ever covered in snow. So it's... <clears throat> I, yeah, it's interesting. It's cool. I like this one. 115 cards from Anson Maddox, Jerry, so far. Wow. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll, I'll drop it if you want to ever take a look. He's done a, done a bunch of artwork. You would know Animate Dead is one of them, Ashnod's Altar... Oh yeah, bloodlust. Uh, let's see, any other ones that kind of stick out? Disintegrate. I mean, he's done a ton, a ton of uh, death grip. Yep, elvish archers. Dancing elvish archers. Another one is one of the ones where the way that the elf is holding the bow, like he, it's not possible for him to actually shoot. Oh, it. drop of honey. He did drop yep. of honey. Oh yeah, right. Drop of honey. Yep. Oh, uh, so yeah, it's. It, I don't recognize him because he hasn't really. It uh, looks like the most recent he did. Oh, he did High Tide too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was. But like, he has. Oh, I don't Harloon, think he's done a bunch of Harloon Minotaur. He's actually probably one of the most prolific magic artists. Man, Land, he did the original Landwar Elves. Like, yeah, he's done. Oh, he's done a ton of like the original Rod. It was is his. Uh, Plague Rats. He's done. Yeah, he's done a ton of artwork for Magic, but just nothing recently. He's an OG. Saren did Befreet. So the cool thing about Magic Art Dakota that I really like is you can click on an artist's name and you can literally pull up their entire portfolio of art that they've done. So when you click on that and and see his art, what's kind of your impression about his art style? No pressure because there's only 115 of these. <laughs> well, there's quite a range. Right. Oh, he did Mazeveth. He does, though, a lot of um, single characters where it's a real close-up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. Next 60? Good God. <laughs> um, and he actually does a lot of kind of monochrome or where it's predominantly one kind of color val- value. Hmm. Oh, he did my favorite Urza's Mind, too, where it's mm. like going into the mouth. Mm-hmm. Empiric Spirit. Oh, and transmute artifact. Yeah, that's, I was. He's done a bunch of like known, like well-known stuff. But I actually, the not that many un- landscapes, un- right? Like it's mostly figures. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, he doesn't really do lands. Looks like he he's done one other land. It looks like. I wonder if he's often working in watercolor. If he, it's kind of hard to tell on some of these. What? Yeah. Because most of his art is early magic, I, I think the majority of his uh, pieces are traditional medium. Like, he doesn't really do any digital art. Yeah, I think the most recent thing he did was for Unglued, or Unhinged, rather. That looks like the most recent piece of artwork he's done. So he's got some cool artwork, though. All right. 
We're going to round it out with the final three here. Looping it back to the OG, going back to the uh, the Christmas magic cards. So we got another <laughs> we got another reference card, Dakota, though this one is a, uh, a, a kind of a stretch. This is, this is a magic card? <laughs> so this is not a real one. This is a another holiday card. This one's called uh, Mishra's Toy Workshop. So Mishra, I'll, I'll let you know, Mishra was a bad guy. Mishra is a bad guy in magic lore. <laughs> um, wow. It's really telling a story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like an assembly line of teddy bears and then that like you get this nice finished teddy bear and then it just goes through some buzz saws and gets all torn up i mean it's funny it is funny because they're like still smiling teddy bears when they come out yeah. of it and it's kind of begs the question like why because <laughs> he's a bad guy because he's a bad guy right it's the grinch yeah totally i think people really some people find some resonance with the Grinch because Christmas can feel like too much. And mm-hmm. sometimes it can feel good to see people's little happy faces get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, if you're having a really shitty time, like, if your life is shitty and everyone around you is happy, it like compounds the shittiness. And you just kind of like take joy in ruining the happiness. Like, misery loves company. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think this is funny, and I actually think that um, the <laughs> the way it's been uh, rendered is pretty skillful. I mean, it's it's an illustration. They really wanted to convey a story. They weren't like interested in brushstrokes or anything like that. But um, it's kind of fun to have this like well lit red and white stripe you know garlands everywhere fao schwartz quality (laughs) and then you just like if you were just glancing at it quickly you wouldn't get how sinister it is which i think is sort of the brilliant thing about it Mm -hmm. um you know obviously (laughs) the saw wheels or whatever what are those (laughs) the buzz saw I love that they're blurred, that they're moving so fast. (laughs) (laughs) They they look really dangerous. Um, And then you also have these, like, robot hands placing the bears at the top. Right. I don't know. Maybe this is, like, a really complex layered commentary on our capitalist. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, guys? Chew them out and spit them out. (laughs) I think it's fun. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Now, below it, we have the card that it's actually referencing. So below it is Mishra's Workshop, which is what the pun on Mishra's Toy Workshop is referencing. Oh. Is it a pun or just a reference? It's just a reference. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand what's happening here. It's very abstract. Yeah, very. It so looks like an like, ominous work, like an ominous factory, though, right? Like it's yeah, got all smokestacks like coming you have out of these it. Eyes and... staring out. But it's are those also eyes like a very... or are those just like big cavernous windows. No, no, no. Like see the sort of like Oh yes, 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 yes. Like there's like the eyes peeking out of the shadows. Yeah. But yeah, then the factory itself is like this very organic shape, which is strange for a factory. 
like when you think of like industrial factories, you think of very like straight lines. And this almost looked like it like it grew. Mm -hmm. It's very ominous. And it's in this kind of hellscape where you've got like burning embers in the background too. Um, and we don't know what's being fabricated. Uh, uh, artifacts. They make not teddy bears, but artifacts. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. I, I do. It seems to me that the factory is meant to look a bit like a bust, like, you know, shoulders and a head. Um, mm-hmm. like keeping mouth and eyes. And that happens a lot in fantastical architecture. I think that, that um, it tends to resemble some sort of human form. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I, I think it's really interesting that it's very organic looking. I mean, they're almost like these swirls that are on the sides of it. It kind of looks though... You know what it makes me think of if I'm like squinting my eyes a bit is how there there's um, in a lot of landfills, you'll have like mounds of tires that are then mm-hmm. set on fire. Right. Mm-hmm. Burning tires, the the Springfield uh, tire fire. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is the original art. It was reprinted and below it is the new modern updated art mm. so this is what is used in on the uh, magic online in the updated versions of mishra's workshop so what do you think of the updated art well mm. it's very quiet I feel. it I is like, i don't see any figures anywhere do you- yeah it, it's a workshop but everything's dead and still like nothing's actually going on yeah and you can't even see what's being made or where the machinery is mm. right I mean, there's a, I guess there's a wheel there, but it really looks more like organic forms that have been, you know, illuminated or roped up or built upon. And it seems like there's this power source that's obscured from view and you see this light leaking out. Yeah. I, so this is, this feels to me like some of, more of the magic cards that I've seen, I guess, where there's like mm. this really dramatic um, lighting coming from within a lot of the, the objects or the figures mm-hmm. that um, gives it this ethereal kind of feeling. Um, and it has a very futuristic quality, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Even the shapes, there's like this kind of sinuous staircase here. Um, And it feels like it's inside of a cave, but it's somehow got this really beautiful morning light streaming in. I mean, I, aside from the fact that it's a little bit creepy that there's no one there, I think it's quite beautiful. It it almost looks like like it has some some kind of bone structure to the uh, on the like the right upper hand corner. Reminds me of like a rib cage, you know. Yeah, definitely. The cage there. there. Really interesting. But it's funny to think of how differently this card has been interpreted because, <clears throat> I mean, they each of these. I mean, you go from something that's like pretty punchy and funny. To something mm-hmm. that's really sinister and creepy, to something that's like kind of majestic. Very yeah. different styles too. 
That's interesting. I'd rather live inside of the third one if I had. <laughs> yeah. Um, out of all of them. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's not the only one that's not like explicitly ominous. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a nuclear. Uh, it's like a nuclear reactor. Yes. <laughs> all right, Dakota. So we've reached the end of our art episode. Looking back, if you could, if you only could pick one piece that we looked at tonight. Which one would you say is your favorite that we've seen tonight? I'm guessing Feast of the Unicorn is not in the top three. <laughs> not in the top three, not even close. Um, okay, well, for straight up holiday cheer, Jerry, I kind of agree with you. The Stalking Tiger is really fun. <laughs> I'm ready to like read a children's book that's written around that yeah i just think like it's, <laughs> it's very evocative it's really fun i like that a lot as far as like christmasy themes go um i do i really like the seb mckinnon mm. i do i think technical like technical I'm having trouble speaking now at the bottom of my glass, but uh, <laughs> te- technically speaking, I think, I think Seth McKinnon's the, the best like technical piece that we looked at tonight. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's something that you could look at for a really long time and continuing, continue discovering things. Yeah. I, I can definitely tell why someone p- spent tens of thousands of dollars for this original art yeah, to hang th- in there. Three, in three tens gallery. of thousands of dollars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, it'll probably be worth a lot more. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, Ma- magic art investing is actually really popular right now. It's a great. It's a great way to hide your money. That is also true. As a financial advisor, IRS no, can't tax with the I've I have heard from multiple people that uh, that if you have a lot of money uh, gotten from nefarious means or or what have you, it's a great way to to launder your money is to buy artwork. <laughs> well, it's also actually a uh, Bitcoin. A lot of people who made a lot of money from Bitcoin have been transferring their wealth into magic art. It's crazy. You know, the Bitcoin bubble started to pop and people were looking for other places to put the money. They're just the right kind of nerds for that. Yeah. (laughs) That's the thing is like the people who bought Bitcoin are the nerdy people who know about magic. And that's why magic prices and Bitcoin prices are actually pretty correlated as Bitcoin increases. So do magic card prices because people sell Bitcoin to buy magic cards. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jerry, wasn't Bitcoin didn't originate from Mount Gox? Isn't that what it was from? It didn't originate from it, but the first uh the first like big Bitcoin exchange was Mount Gox, which stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Yeah. So it's like it's got this weird history intertwined. Yeah, with magic and Bitcoin. Yeah, weird. But so, so technical speaking, Seb McKinnon, and then whimsical stalking tiger. Any other honorable mentions? Well, yeah, I do. I actually do really like the gifts given image, and I would. Um, I'm gonna look this artist up. I think that the that their technical skill is really impressive, and I have a feeling I can think of some of the artists that they were influenced by. Um, kind of reminds me of this like time in U.S. painting, like late 1800s, when there was this sort of like fad for everything 
um, Japanese. Mm -hmm. And they did as well these really like soft light sources and soft edges that sort of blended together. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if that was something that he was drawing influence from. So I'm kind of curious to see if some of his other works are like that as well. Hmm. Yeah. But I, I, I like that work a lot. I think that, you know, the fact that I didn't even notice the little houses inside of the snow globes until later, hmm. I really like it when an artist um, creates something that's interesting, but like rewards you by paying attention hmm. for a longer time. Like the uh, the face on Goblin Ski Patrol. <laughs> That's Jerry's claim, yeah. Yeah. That no, I, I think Goblin Ski Patrol has to win the day for um, best laugh. Yeah, that's a great one. (laughs) (laughs) No, hands down. (laughs) That guy being like tossed to the side with his arms out. Just just yard sailing himself right now. Yard sailing himself on on the ski. On the ski slope. It just splayed out. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I probably should have said this at the beginning of the episode, but I will post the uh, Google document we have with all the art references. I will uh, post that on the Facebook page for if you guys want to, you know, see the art we talked about in person. Nice. Well, as ever, this was totally delightful. A really nice send off into the holidays. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you guys having me on here. Oh, and thanks I, so much for coming on, Dakota. Yeah, definitely. a joy to have. Yeah, Another disclaimer, have though, soon. in all transparency, um, you know, I'm just one voice. So if you really, really love some of these other people that I don't, don't take offense. You the know? Chris Rush <laughs> fanboys are coming for you, Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. He's, he, I'm sure you have your reasons. Whatever. No offense, please. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm sure we'll do another episode uh, in the near future. Maybe we can do an Alters episode where we can kind of look at uh, community art and see how they uh, they addressed it. So, yeah, if our listeners, uh, you know, let us hear your voices. If you want to have Dakota back on, uh, do a... Uh, little alters episode let us know and we'll we'll set something up that'd be awesome thanks again for coming on dakota it was great to have you yeah, yeah nice to see you thanks guys so again. much have, have a great uh christmas and a great new year's thank you you too <laughs> awesome uh and pat also before we go uh we wrapped up the charity auctions mm-hmm. we raised a bunch more money than i was expecting uh for yeah the with play the play match yep people were very generous so thank you very much for that we have the winners uh we're going to post that on the Facebook page. We won't go through them now, but we'll post on the Facebook page and get uh, contact info for all you, and we'll send those out um, as soon as we can. Yep, and I think uh, next week we're going to put up another auction. I think people like the auctions better than the raffles, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, so far we're doing great. I think we are I think we broke the $500 mark for uh, the Room to Grow charity. I think so, for, yeah, uh, and I'm sure we'll I'm, – I, I would like to hit $1,000 before the end of the year, so we're going to try to push for that for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, So check out the Facebook page for that. And until next week, we'll uh, see y'all later. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week, and we'll catch y'all next week. Bye.